and you're listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff Milo, and uh, joining me on the podcast today is Sarah Bowman again. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. And Michelle Williamson. Hi, Jeff. Both of them are librarians. Michelle, you'll remember from past episodes on information literacy. Sarah was recently here talking about Reader's Advisory. So those were both uh, very librarian-y episodes, and this one is continuing to be very librarian-y. We're talking about Wikipedia, and well, before we get into this episode, I start off being a very ignorant devil's advocate. Thank you both for guiding me through all this. Thank you. Our pleasure. I feel like I just can't, I brought you into this room and, and basically said, what's the deal with Wikipedia? <laughs> it was a fun, it was a fun little like research project for, for this week. You yeah. know, I, I had some fun with it on the reference desk, just kind of digging around. That's and great. I learned way more about it than I think in a good way. There's a lot more to it. Yeah. It, it's people have this really simple idea about it, but there's more to it. Right. Sure. It's uh, basically recently marked the 20th anniversary of this open access internet encyclopedia that folks can contribute to. And there are editors and there's a whole complex situation uh, system. And we are getting into it where Jeff talks about his past self of being told that Wikipedia was a bad thing. And you'll be listening to Michelle and Sarah evolving his viewpoint on that very expertly. So we have two librarians here and here is our chat. In college and especially in in journalism school too, in, in the early 2000s, I feel like Wikipedia was almost a punchline. Uh, at least that's what it felt like in academia. And now I have two librarians with me who are going to tell me differently. Take it away, librarians. Tell me what is going on with Wikipedia. It, it is a it is a phenomenon that recently marked its 20th anniversary. Well, I want to ask you, Jeff, did you read something that talked about the credibility of Wikipedia? Like what has made you say just now that it's, you know, that your opinion has changed? I saw a special on an, on a one of the morning news shows. I want to say it was CBS on the weekend. And then it was this lengthy interview that they did with the founder. And so, uh, and, and it just seemed like that was the gist of the feature was legitimizing it. So my interpretation was that it was always this minefield almost that anyone who's doing research or a student who is working on a project should tread, tread lightly. So, so I'm just curious to learn about if this is something librarians look at. What do librarians even think of this? And, you know, you, you were both in library school while this thing was growing. So I just wanted to get your perspective of this thing that fascinates me, even if I can't put it into words. I don't know if I necessarily have a story about how I used or didn't use Wikipedia during grad school, like during library school. And I don't know, I went to library school a real long time ago. So I don't know if that kind of colors that a little bit or what the experience is today. I do think from a librarian perspective, without thinking too much about it, I actually use Wikipedia a lot on the reference desk. When a patron asks about a topic that I just feel sure. pretty incomplete about, it's a really nice like one-stop initial place to go to kind of wrap your arms around that new idea. And then that's what moves you on 
to to looking up other resources. Michelle, do you, you're nodding your head. Yeah, for sure. Because um, the thing I like about it is how standardized it is. I know that if I go there, I'm going to see a brief description in the beginning. I'm going to go down the side. If I need just to find a birth and death date, I'll find that there. I'll find the greatest hits of who the partner, the spouse was, the children. And I like how standardized the information is in there for sure, because we can do a real quick check. So yeah, in that way, it's not like going to a different website every time and trying to hunt around how is this organized mm-hmm. and where's the information going to be. Yeah, I think that, that that was where I was going with this. I this When it was when I was watching the news, they're kind of painting Wikipedia as a utopian ideal, but are there are there bad actors or are there this gets into what is what is misinformation right versus what is disinformation there could be folks putting things up there that uh is unintentionally erroneous unintentionally incorrect right and so but it does sound like a, a beautiful thing people being able to inform each other or help each other stay informed or if you do have knowledge on something obscure like a a local band maybe you can be their biographer but i just find it so 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 naughty it's just so naughty (laughs) well in libraries i think we're used to authority right like what are the credentials of the person who is the author of this book and that's the thing that is a sticking point is the anonymity of the editors on wikipedia i think that the advantage they have is just the sheer number of Mm -hmm. editors they have so sure you have bad actors sure you have people who they call it vandalism on wikipedia sure you have people doing that but just the sheer number of people who have eyes on an article Mm -hmm. it's typically not going to stay up for too long i did see one instance where uh, a teenager (laughs) um gave this animal South American Coti, I think it was called, C-O-A-T-I, mm-hmm. said that its nickname was the um, Brazilian aardvark. And that actually stayed on for six years and was cited by numerous websites, uh, newspapers, and even university press books. So we all, I mean, it's not just students, I think, that need the reminder that Wikipedia is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely not where you should end. You always want to verify. And I think that's even a tenet of what Wikipedia says about itself is uh, verifiability is a huge part of uh, what they strive for. So you should always be verifying what you find on Wikipedia. (laughs) And one of the things that I discovered in preparing for this that I hadn't really dove into very much in the past because I think you hear about some of the vandalism stories mm-hmm. and it does happen and they will admit that it happens that sometimes it's jokes sometimes it's more malicious type vandalism or misinformation mm-hmm. but that they have different locking procedures on articles oh and so some of them are locked I think it's called 350 so only editors who have 300, I think it's 500 edits Mm -hmm. and 30 days of experience. Mm -hmm. So for example, pages that discuss the COVID-19 pandemic are, have that sort of, it's not locked, but it has an extra layer of protection. And they have a whole list. There's like three or 4,000 articles actually that have this layer of protection. And I think that's really interesting because it's, 
the layer of protection is I think they respond to vandalism, mm -hmm. but I think they are actively, when they know that there's potential for that vandalism, they're actually like proactively trying to minimize, you know, either like totally reduce it or um, prevent it from happening at all. And I think that, you know, as a librarian, which I didn't know about, right. um, I, I find that to be something that's really heartening almost as like using it as a resource. I was right. literally going to say that I was going to say the word reassuring, but there is something heartwarming about that. And I don't know. I don't know why. It's just kind of good to know that it isn't the Wild West out there. There have been plenty of people who have tried to um, spout whatever they wanted onto Twitter. And you actually see there's checks against that as well. So it is so reassuring that this, I mean, Wikipedia is understatement massive. So um, the potential for, for misinformation is so real and sometimes inevitable. So the fact that there's safeguards is great. Well, if you think about one thing that uh, academics always hold up is things being peer reviewed. Right. And typically if something's peer reviewed, you're thinking it's about three other experts in the field mm -hmm. versus with Wikipedia, you just have thousands of people right. that are constantly checking. So it's not peer reviewed because we don't know, again, the authority of these people, but just the fact that you just have so many people. And I appreciate that you can click and look at the history of an article, to which to me, the more history, the more people that have had eyes on it, the better, you know, and you can see where if something hasn't had a lot of that activity, okay, well, maybe I'll have a little bit more mm. um, skepticism. Mm. But if you see that just things have been edited over and over again, that's a pretty good sign that what you're seeing has is a true collaboration by a lot of people with different levels of expertise. Right. That is sort of peer reviewing, you know? Yeah. And maybe. I think Wikipedia itself will say that articles that have more edits are better. Mm -hmm. Yes. The quality is better. Um, and it also not just in terms of like adding quality information, but about one of their big things is about reducing biases. Mm -hmm. So it's about people mm -hmm. who are going back in to edit. Um, sometimes it's just grammar edits, right? Sometimes it's just like syntax edits. It's not always like informational edits, but that, you know, their desire to be bias free, which is admittedly really hard to do. Right. Um, but that they say the more edits, the better. Right, right. And they do have, I stumbled across this group called Women in Red through actually Stephen Pruitt. I was reading about him oh, and cool. he's one of the, he is, I think, the most prolific editor on there. He's done 4.4 million edits on Wikipedia. He's written, million. I think, 33,000 articles and he did their one billionth edit last year. Wow, so I was reading about this guy, but he's also involved in this group called Women in Red because they do realize that the vast majority of editors on Wikipedia are white men. Interesting. And that um, there's a, a real imbalance in the number of articles about women versus men. And the reason they call it Women in Red is because there would be a reference to a woman on Wikipedia. And if there isn't an article, the name shows up in red where the link should lead you to that article. So they've been trying to actively do you know, include more articles about women and topics that typically women are interested in. <laughs> There's a definite gender imbalance on there and a bias. But again, they do recognize it and people are working to try to fix it. But that's also something to be aware of, I think, when you're using it as well. It's a, a downside. Again, another yeah. super reassuring situation. Not that the situation is currently great as is, but that there is that conversation. Reassuring. 
that yeah. um, information equity was what I was concerned about. Who's editing this and can we get more people involved? Well, so. and it's kind of like the conversation you and I have had before with media literacy. You know, to me, it's it's not do publications never make errors, but are they transparent? Do they print corrections when they do make an error? And I do feel like Wikipedia is very transparent about its biases and mm -hmm. the, the downfalls of the site. Yeah, I just find it so fascinating and that maybe it's very subjective because being this elder millennial, I was in my senior year of high school and then a freshman in college when Wikipedia basically was invented. So obviously I was doing lots of research papers for both of those. And the impression I would always get from either a teacher or a professor was, stay away from this, this is not reliable, and don't you dare sort it, cite it whatsoever on, on your paper. To go off on a tangent, I imagine that if you do cite it, you have to cite something that you, they have those citations at the bottom of each article, right? So you're not literally saying, I got this from Wikipedia. They can actually help you connect to the actual source that you want to cite. Yes, you shouldn't actually cite Wikipedia. No, you should not cite Wikipedia. <laughs> but the thinking of it was limited when back then, because the, back then the thinking was, don't go to Wikipedia, um, go into a physical library instead and talk to a human being librarian, and that is better, or look to a book. Always read a book first. Read a book instead of Wikipedia. Wikipedia is the devil. Wikipedia is the devil, and maybe the internet is the devil. That was the thinking back then. It's just fascinating to see how all of that has evolved. And uh, here we are, you know? <laughs> Well, and I have, I did ask uh, a couple friends who are in library school, because it has also been 20 years since I was in library school. So I was curious. Um, and I, the, the couple people said that they don't really talk about it at all. And this is at, at Wayne State Library School. Mm -hmm. They haven't really talked about it at all. Our coworker, Julia, said that she has had professors send her links to Wikipedia about certain topics. So it sounds like library science professors are also using it. I did notice when I got a, an email from my son's teacher for his fourth grade black history project that she definitely discourages using Wikipedia. Interesting. <laughs> as a source. <laughs> but again, I think when you're teaching um, information literacy to fourth graders, you're, you can't be too nuanced in that, right? You're trying to say, go to the .org sites, go to the .edu sites, stay away from, you know. Yeah. Some articles, in addition to the citations at the bottom that we're used to in that teeny tiny print right. um, with direct citations from the articles, some articles also have um, recommended readings listed at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so I find, you know, I did like a little test, again, thinking about how we use Wikipedia and, and what it's good for mm -hmm. with a little bit of an obscure topic. and. I tried some of our library databases. I tried using our library catalog. I tried using the Michigan e-library catalog. And honestly, the easiest and best was using Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to log into anything. I didn't have to, you know, provide credentials to anything. Like, mm -hmm. I do think the, the, the open access nature of it, I, th I think it's hard to discredit as a, as a source. Um, or at least a jumping off point. And they, Wikipedia itself will say that, you right. know, we're not, we shouldn't be the final source. We shouldn't be the final um, resource that you use, that this is, it's an encyclopedia. Well, and I think it's helpful to understand that doing research online is different than book research. Like with a book, you get a book, you do your deep reading, right? right. In college, you're like, I, I'm gonna take all my notes. I'm gonna really just deep dive into this book. Whereas with internet research, 
again, as we've talked about before, you want to do that lateral reading mm -hmm. where you're opening up Wikipedia, you're seeing a term, oh, I haven't heard this before, you're opening a new window, you're searching that term, and then you're, um, you know, with as with any website, you're constantly fact checkers, librarians, we open a lot of windows and we check information against each other. Yes, lateral, lateral reading, something I learned about a year and a half ago when we did our information literacy but something that I was kind of already in, innately doing. Yeah. Getting those extra tabs open and uh, maybe cross-referencing is an extra word for it, maybe, Absolutely. sort of, if yeah. you find it there. That's that's fascinating to me. Um, I guess, technically, if I wanted to submit that, you won't exactly build your information literacy as a fourth grader if you just use Wikipedia. But it's also not a bad thing. It's complex, he said, putting his head hand on his head and scratching it, Well, literally. <laughs> I, I did ask the school librarian uh, at Ferndale Upper Elementary about it, how she felt about it too. And she said, they're going to use it regardless. Sure. So I think as long as they understand the pitfalls of it, it's it's fine as long as they know that's the starting point and that you have to have other sources. So I think that's just the reality of it is you can't just say you can never use it. It's evil. Like, obviously we're all using it. <laughs> it's just understanding how to use it, how to, you know, use the information you find and how to think critically about it. And so would you then advocate for, like, it's curious then, like, why is it not a component of their research project to include it, but then also talk about it? Right. Because it seems like there's but like if you totally ignore it, well, but on the other hand, acknowledging that the kids are going to use it anyway mm -hmm. to like just why don't you just make it part of the assignment? Sure. And have a have a discussion about how to yeah. use it. Well, and maybe that's the difference between the school librarian and a teacher is one of them is regularly thinking about and teaching research. And right. the other one is kind of like just being very practical and kind of thinking about, I just want them to go right to an authoritative source. It's just maybe a different way of, of teaching research. It sounds like it would be a worthwhile lesson though. Like let's all go into Wikipedia and then let's all do some lateral reading. Not that a fourth grader might know what that is, but let's compare our results. Yeah. Did we find any misinformation? It's like a, it's like a hunt. It's a science experiment. It's an information science experiment. <laughs> But yeah, the, this thing that I wanted to open up is that if if the word Wikipedia is involved in, in what you've researched, I always thought that, you know, people would cock an eyebrow to that. And yet if the word Britannica is involved, then it's like law of the land. Of course, it's correct. So mm -hmm. I think it's I think it's a more nuanced conversation than that. Um, Sarah, did you do dig anything else up that, that was interesting? I mean, you know, it, one of the fun things about Wikipedia is just like the rabbit holes, right? Uh -huh. It's the just the like joy of like serendipitous discovery mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where you're just you start with one thing and then you click on something else and you click on something else. And then, you know, 45 minutes later, you're like reading about a plane crash that happened in 1989, which I did earlier this week read about a plane crash that happened in 1989. And I just, I think that joy of discovery of information, it's really fun. Agreed. There's um, certainly worse ways to spend your time. And that's not 
something that you can necessarily recreate yeah. in like an analog situation. I mean, there is, you can pick out books from the shelves um, and things like that. There is also a feature on Wikipedia where you can um, have it suggest a random article to you. I don't know if you did that. I, I have done it before. It's quite enjoyable. Mine was like, <laughs> it was like, I tried it about 20 times just to see what happened. It was about 90% like moth articles. <laughs> <laughs> like, <Interesting. laughs> like just here's a variety. I guess there's lots of moth varieties. I don't know. Um, it was moths and butterflies. Spent a lot of time. So I, I think that the joy, the information discovery part of it is, is really fun. Mm -hmm. um, also, Wikipedia has, in addition to those protections that I mentioned earlier, they also have like a positive rating system, which again, I didn't ever think about. Um, so if you're in an article that's considered a good article mm -hmm. or a featured article, it has a gold, a literal gold star hmm. in the upper right corner, which means that it meets you know, all of their like editorial criteria. They also have um, a good feature. Um, so it's not quite gold star. And sure. it's a, I think a red plus or like a circle with, a, no, I'm sorry, it's green. And it's a circle and it has a little white plus in the middle. And that means it meets most of the standards um, in terms of being like a quality article. Mm -hmm. And stuff gets moved in and out of those categories all the time too. Like mm -hmm. just because you've made it to good status doesn't mean that article will always be a good status. If somebody like, you know, an editor questions it or there's been some new information mm -hmm. or something has come up. I think that the, like you mentioned, Michelle, just like the transparency of um, how they're managing new information, um, forthcoming information. I, I think it's good for you know, in terms of versus peer reviewed, I think it's good because it can produce articles faster than you would see in like an academic peer reviewed process. But in terms of like some of the reading I did about how they handled COVID information is they weren't taking information from popular sources. Mm -hmm. They were being a little bit slower to uh, make edits because they really wanted it to be quality information. Wow. And I I just think that their um, proactivity about yeah. that, to me, I, I find like I'm really thankful. I didn't even consider how crucial of a period of time it has been over the last two and a half years for such a phenomenon as Wikipedia that is open access like that uh, in an era when we have so many people, quote unquote, doing their own research. Um, so that's another reass reassuring situation there that they made that decision. I, this is a tangent, but I just wanted to circle back to what you said about the randomness. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're on Instagram, I highly recommend the Depths of Wikipedia account. Oh, dear. It's very fun. You know, when Sarah was talking about the random article, it made me think of that. <laughs> and the, the posts on there are just bizarre, funny, profane. Um, like, I don't even know if I should talk about the most recent one on the library podcast but there's she she can't because i just looked at it yeah and they're, no. they're, they're silly <laughs> i can't wait adult ish um but just if you want if you appreciate the random feature on there i highly recommend following depths or here's video. a safe one yeah moving sofa problems yes. and how you would navigate it through a twisty stairwell yeah, yeah. just if you things like, quirky like that 
trivia, things like that. It's it's a pretty fun. The history of the Dublin whiskey fire. Follow, and, yeah. Sure, of 1875. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go follow that account like immediately after we finish wrapping up here. Yeah. <laughs> um, completely broad and completely unfair uh, question, but if you both... If you both were teaching the information scientists of tomorrow, I guess, how would you treat Wikipedia? How would you address it? I'm really surprised Wayne State University students said that it hasn't come up yet. Maybe it does, but I feel like it's inevitably has to come up or has to be referred to in some way uh, because a librarian is going to, it's a resource. Or you might be an academic librarian who is helping a student with a paper. It's gonna come up. So if you were uh, at, the head of the class, R.I.P. Howard Hessman. Uh, what would you, what would you say to students? I guess. I don't. I mean, I think I would say in, in a reference class, mm-hmm. which is where you introduce students to, you know, the different different resources and, and sources um, to look up information. It, just what we've mentioned before is that you know it it it's an encyclopedia, yeah. and it's a good place to start. And a good way to, um, I think, it, like, if you think about it, it's like a citation aggregator almost. Mm-hmm. If, like, it's a really good place to find citations about a specific topic that then you go look up those citations. Right. And the nice thing is, is at an academic library, you would have access to all, probably to all of those resources, right? Like, you know, you're talking about things that might be behind a paywall or might be in you know, some sort of like academic journal that somebody non-affiliated with the university might not have access to all of that. Um, So I I definitely think that I would talk about it in class. Also, as somebody who's been a public librarian for many years, and I've taught several classes, um, you know, in library to library school uh, students, is I'm like very practical too. And I think that it's, a, you know, we've both mentioned it's a source that I use on the reference desk all the time. It's easy. You know, you've, Michelle mentioned, like, you've got that format that's really easy to use. If you want to verify, double check a date, um, find pictures, find maps, like, just put the information together. I use it on the desk all the time. And so I think it's a it's a disservice to not mention it oh, yeah. um, just because it is so such a practical resource. It's like such a 21st century reference tool. And that's what the beauty of it to me is that it is free and that it's this amazing source of crowdsourced information. And I'm so, it's like kind of a beautiful thing, really, when you think about all of this information coming together because people like Stephen Pruitt spend hours a week just caring about it and wanting it to be a good thing and it's not their job you know but but people also have all sorts of it's not edited in the same way too which i like the sort of free form of that that someone says hey this needs an article and they write it and then other people come in and say does it meet the wikipedia standards does it belong here but i love the the sort of openness of it in that way but also yeah it's a start here you got the the quick reference, but then mm-hmm. also it's uh, probably a good lesson in lateral reading mm-hmm. to say this is a great place to start. And then what was the word or phrase from the article that made you open another window and go someplace else? And, right. you know, right. probably a good a good way to, to learn the importance of lateral reading and how to do it. That's great. I think the that idea of finding stuff that you might not 
necessarily have access to because you can't afford to pay the money to get some sort of scholarly journal. And sometimes you get those scholarly journals and it doesn't actually have what you're looking for. So that equity is great. I think that, you know, people might remark on the uh, little bit of chaos that seems to be implied and that these articles get edited or updated or changed. But hey, doesn't Britannica put out new editions? Is it the same? Am I, maybe I'm reaching, but maybe I'm not. Britannica makes their edits too, I guess, right? Am I, am I crazy? Does that sound crazy? All right, I sound crazy. So <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. And I think what Sarah said also is really important about the currency of it. Yeah. And that it does take a long time for encyclopedias to get published. Right. And a lot of times information is outdated by the time it's published. Yet we say, oh, if it's in print, it's like the gold standard and I can cite it. And it's, you know, but I think we're realizing more and more that's not always the case. And mm -hmm. it, I do think it's a good thing that they're being deliberate and slow, especially with, you know, these... Um, controversial issues or people, um, but the fact mm -hmm. that you can get fairly authoritative information up faster than any place else is a bonus. Sure. And I feel like there's like a whole tangential podcast episode maybe about like self-publishing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there used to be this idea of like, if it was a print book, it is authoritative, authoritative, yeah. right? But that's not necessarily true anymore you know anybody can write and print a book um you know you pay for it sure. you can they'll ship you your own hardback copies if sure. you want sure. so i think that that evaluating resources is something that's to to think about in terms of that you know print books as well as online resources as well yeah wikipedia standards are probably higher than a fair amount of print yeah. and digital sources <laughs> I know, I just want to time travel and bring my high school teacher from 2001 up here to, to just hear how, how better things, how much better things have gotten. Well, to be fair, their attitude on it has probably shifted over time as well. I assume, I assume, <laughs> I assume, probably. I assume. Um, I, this is a tangent, but I can't help bringing it up. Um, I posted some sort of pro library thing on social media, which is everything that I post to social media is pro library. And someone said, you know, I love libraries too. This reminds me of a Star Trek episode where someone said, why are we going to need libraries if we have technology? And I couldn't help but think of that comment right now here with Wikipedia. You can think, I'm just going to pull up Wikipedia. But our librarians help us contextualize this. Uh, they help us find misinformation. I swear this was going to be more articulate in my head before it came out. But if we encounter something that we're a little leery of, we can bring it to you guys and you can help us confer that. Um, you're still here to help us avoid misinformation. And um, I don't know, just wanted to end on that note. Well, I do think, yeah, like librarians are, why do we need librarians if you have Wikipedias? Right. Is the question. I he think was rambling toward, yes. The answer is because it's not the only resource to use. Right. Yeah. You know, it. we said m multiple times, it's a great place to start. Mm -hmm. But if you want to find those resources that are cited in the article, um, or like I said, I found several articles that just had like a really nice list of further readings. Sure. Um, those are the things where you're going to bring to your librarian and say, how do I find these books? Because they might be in academic libraries or they might not be actually at your specific library. Right. Um, so that's what you need a librarian for. Right. Um, also, you know, there's still a digital divide. There's still information literacy skills sure. that students and adults um, you know, are always developing. Right. Um, and I think that's our place to help 
with that as well. I think we came around often when we were doing our information literacy series to the phrase healthy skepticism. And I would just encourage everyone to come to a librarian's desk with something you found uh, and ask the question, does this sound right to you? I think that's the best question you can ask a librarian. <laughs> well, and we're also helpful for those sources. Uh, we have mel.org, which we're big fans of, but the interface is not always as user-friendly sure. as Wikipedia. So sure. we can help you maybe navigate some of those databases that are a little bit trickier to perform yeah. searches on. You guys are beacons, your lighthouses, your, your tour guides to the information superhighway. And I thank you for all that you do. And thank you for being on this podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And that was my chat with two librarians here on staff at the Ferndale Area District Library. That's Michelle and Sarah bringing me up to speed really on all the wonders of Wikipedia and this really nuanced conversation that it can really start around information literacy. So, you know, tread cautiously, but, you know, dive into those uh, rabbit holes and, and see what you find. Librarians are here at the reference desk relying on it as a resource, so it's just very fascinating. We are going to keep conversations like this one going on later episodes because we love talking about information literacy. It's one of the, it's one of the focuses of a librarian's service to their community. Not that I'm a librarian, I'm just a podcast host here at uh, the Ferndale Library who's going to now wrap up this episode, but uh, encourage you to tune in for more, of course. This is A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast. It's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. The music that you hear at the start and the end of each of these episodes is by a local musician, John Duffy. If you want to support this podcast, you could go to ferndalefriends.org or you could follow us or leave a review, um, a starred review, maybe five stars, or just leave a comment. It would help us find more listeners. And if you liked this episode, please share it to social media. We'll be back next week with more. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.